You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 250, Another Church Shooting. You know, violence against Christian churches and other houses of worship is really on the rise all around the world. It's not uncommon at all to, um, you know, read the news and hear about an attack on Christians or even Jewish people, or in some cases there have been even attacks against mosques by other Muslims or by other groups. Uh, In the United States, these attacks are linked primarily to emotionally disturbed people or domestic conflict spillover. In other places, it tends to be terrorism. In the U.S., it's uh, emotionally disturbed people or domestic spillover are the two biggest causes for violence in churches. Now, I'm going to be talking today about an attack that occurred um, less than two weeks ago at a church at a place called White Settlement, Texas. It's a suburb of Fort Worth on December 29th, and it was at a Church of Christ at that location. And you know, if you've been following me for any length of time, you know that we've been talking a lot about church security. We've done a number of podcast episodes on church security. I've also written about it on my blog. It's definitely something that needs to be addressed because these situations continue to come. Violence against churches continues to happen. And I think what we're actually going to see, sadly, is it's it's not going to decrease. It's only going to increase because schools are getting smart. Educators, people that that, that run our our, our, uh, elementary, middle school, uh, high schools, they're getting smarter. And it's not that you'll never see um, another active shooter at a a school, but I think they are um, much more on the forefront, much more on the cutting edge to um, uh, putting policies and procedures in place to protect the students. Churches, however, by their very nature are open, welcoming, friendly. Uh, We want people to come in and feel uh, like they're at home. And so just the nature of a church makes it a little bit more difficult to secure. It doesn't mean that we can't, but it definitely does present some more challenges. And so I want to analyze this this shooting in Texas recently, and, and talk about it, and um, you know maybe give us some things to think about. And I'm pulling some of this material from a blog that I wrote last week. Um, this is maybe have a little bit more detail in some ways. You can also read the blog if you want. I will link um, in the show notes. Now the the little bit of an overview of the shooting at the church. The man who was responsible was known to the congregation. He was, as we said, we talked about emotionally disturbed people. Well, this was an emotionally disturbed uh, convicted felon with a history of drug abuse. 
He was known at the West Freeway Church of Christ. He had shown up there on a number of occasions asking for assistance. Now, the church evidently has a policy where they don't just give money out randomly, but they had given him food on a number of occasions. So it wasn't like they were turning him away. They just felt that the better use of their resources was to give him food. And, you know, this is something to think about because um, I think of my church. We have homeless people um, showing up all the time asking for assistance. And maybe they're not even homeless. We just have people showing up who aren't church members. They just show up thinking that we're going to, you know, pay their mortgage for them or pay their car bill or pay their hospital bill or whatever it is. And, you know, in reality, it doesn't work that way. And when you say, well, listen, you know, here's a form to fill out and, you know, give us some information about yourself and tell us about the situation and we'll, 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 we'll interview you. And then we'll, you know, it, it usually at that point, their, their eyes glaze over and they go looking for somebody that, you know, maybe will just slip them a few bucks. And then on other occasions, we've given out uh, maybe grocery store uh, gift cards to, to a family in need or things like that. But there's also some local ministries in the area that our church supports financially that we can refer people to for food and other assistance. So um, it, it's good as a church to at least think through what's going to be your strategy when these folks come around. And so in this case, this man showed up um, a number of times. They had given him food, but uh, he evidently over time became angry that the church would not give him money. Now, there's no indication he was a member at this church. He was just showing up asking for help, but he became angry that they wouldn't give him any money. So this Sunday, this past Sunday, the, the 29th of December was the actual date of the shooting, He showed up in church, evidently ready to um, vent his anger against against these people who would not give him charity. So he came to church, but he was wearing a disguise. He had on a wig, a beard, a heavy jacket, and underneath the the, the jacket was concealed a shotgun. Now, here's what's interesting, and this is one of the things I want us to kind of key in on, is the fact that a number of church members later said that they knew something was wrong, but they didn't want to say anything. They even remarked that it was obvious that the man had on a disguise. It wasn't a very good disguise. The fake beard and wig didn't throw anybody off. They knew something was wrong. They said that he appeared to be a little off, but nobody said anything. Isn't that interesting that they all felt something was amiss and yet nobody wanted to call the police or maybe even alert authorities at the church? Now, there is indication that the church security team had been alerted, but even they were adopting a let's watch and observe type of policy. Now, I don't want you to get any any indication that I'm criticizing anybody. I'm just at analyzing the situation to see what we can learn from it. As you're going to see, these uh, this church safety team, you know, was composed of true heroes. But you know, I want us to analyze the situation so that we can learn from it. How often has something like this happened in your church or maybe somewhere else where you've seen something that just didn't look quite right? 
But rather than tell anybody or call the police or take any other type of action, you just chose to watch. And maybe sometimes this is the right strategy, but I wonder what might have happened if early on on this Sunday, if the time, I don't know if there was enough time to uh, make, make this happen, but if there had been enough time for them to call the police and to say, listen, we've got a guy in our church wearing a disguise. He's got on a wig and a fake beard and a heavy jacket, and he's just, something's wrong. Could you please have the police come check him out? I wonder if any loss of life might have been prevented by a little bit of uh, proactive 911 calling. Now, I get it. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And churches are supposed to be welcoming, but we also have to have the attitude that, especially if you're involved in church leadership or in church security, you have to have the attitude of we've got to protect the flock no matter what. Well, don't go away. We're going to be right back and, and continue to discuss and to analyze this church shooting. But I want to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Street Cop 2 Reloaded. If you like fast-paced, true police stories, check out Street Cop 2. This is the sequel to my uh, original Street Cop, which was my uh, my very first book on my police career, memoirs, true stories of my police career. And um, it actually kind of struck a nerve. And so the publisher asked me to do a second edition. And so this is this is a sequel. These are brand new stories, um, exciting. They put you in the passenger seat of the police car with me. So if you want to get a better idea of what the police um, deal with on a day in and a day out basis, check out Street Cop 2 Reloaded. There'll be a link in the show notes. Well, all right, we are back. We're talking about this church shooting in White Settlement, Texas, near Fort Worth. So we mentioned the fact that this man comes in, uh, he's emotionally disturbed, he's a convicted felon, which maybe maybe not the church, maybe or maybe not the church, did, did, they didn't know that, and that's fine. But it turns out he was a convicted felon, wasn't supposed to have a gun, but somehow criminals do get guns. Um, he came in, he's wearing a, wearing a disguise, and at some point during the service, and we know this because of the video, and I'm going to be put a link in the show notes to the, to the video if you want to watch it, but at some point during the service, he stands up, and on the um, other side of the auditorium was uh, a man who was a deacon or a service team member, and Another service team member, one of the, or excuse me, one of the safety team members, part of the church's security. And when the man stood up, the suspect, he pulled the shotgun out. And it was a short shotgun, not cut, not a sawed-off shotgun, but it just had a pistol grip on it, which means that it was shorter. And when the shotgun was produced, uh, or before the shotgun was produced, he leaned over and said something to the service team member, the deacon. We don't know what was said, but you can watch the body language and you can tell there's some tenseness there. And then the, the, the shotgun comes out and the safety team member saw the shotgun. And he immediately stood to his feet 
he was sitting on one of the the, the rows, one of the aisles of, of a sitting in a pew. He stood and tried to draw his pistol, and it was painful to watch because the the shotgun's already out, and now this man's the safety team members trying to draw his handgun from underneath his clothes, and the killer lifted up the shotgun, blasted the safety team member, looked like hit him center mass, and he immediately went down. He he died from his injuries. And without hesitation, the killer turned the weapon to the deacon and shot him as well. These two men fall out of sight. At this moment, the leader of the safety team, a man named Jack Wilson, 71 years of age, had already kind of moved into place. Again, they had been watching this man, but um, they were taking kind of a watch-and-see attitude is what it looks like. Well, he was standing maybe 15 yards away, 40 to 45 feet or so from the um, uh, from where the bad guy was sitting. And when the bad guy stood up and once the shots were fired, Jack Wilson immediately pulled his own pistol. Um, and fired one shot into the, the, the bad guy's head. Now, by this time, the bad guy's already turned and is starting to move towards the front of the church, probably where he can... Um, he's not moving towards an exit. He's moving towards the center of the auditorium. He's going to go around the front rows. Uh, maybe he's going to approach the stage. We don't really know, but he's moving towards the front of the auditorium, heading towards the middle. And... Before he can do anything else, Jack Wilson fires one shot, hits him in the head, and puts him down. Um, from start to finish, the, the entire shootout lasted less than 10 seconds. Um, from, I, th- I think one estimate was from the first shot to, to Jack Wilson firing the last shot was, was six seconds. Now, what's fascinating about this video is that when, when it's over... Um, you see a number of other people, presumably church safety team members, um, approaching the scene. They've pulled their own handguns out. This is Texas, of course. And they approach the uh, downed gunman to, to make sure that he is, he is you know, um, not going to hurt him anymore, make sure the situation's over. Now, of course, this has sparked all kinds of outrage about guns in churches, and I'm not even going to get into that. That's not a, not a debate here. Um, but what is fascinating is this this video is really, as far as I know, the only video we've got of an active shooter in a church. Um, it may be one of the only active shooter videos we've got, period. But it's, it's a really uh, terrible, terrible situation. But at least we've got a video that we can learn from. What can we learn from this tragic situation? Because we always want to do a better job in protecting the flock. Um, The safety team that we have in place in our church, their mission is to protect God's flock, to protect the church. And, and, And we realize that when we protect the church, we're also protecting our own families. We're protecting our own children and grandchildren and our friends and our loved ones. So this is so important. So what can we learn from this incident. Um, Here's three thoughts. First of all, the church had a safety team and they had a plan to deal with incidents like this. Now, 
when we talk about plans, you know, I mentioned the fact that their their plan appeared to be a watch and see attitude. I'm not criticizing them. Don't get me wrong. Nothing I'm saying today is to criticize this safety team in 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 Texas. Um, they had a plan in place and they eliminated the threat. Here's the reality of that, though. There were still two lives lost. Now, could that have been prevented? I don't know. And we're not going to second guess them. Like I said, the only thing I I couldn't help but wonder is what might have happened if the police had been brought into the scenario a little bit you know, quicker. That's my only question. Um, other than that, uh, another option is could they have approached this man, the safety team, the church safety team, and ask him to step out with them um, because of the disguise, the wig, the beard, the, the, the fact that he was acting you know, maybe a little bit off. They could have asked him to step outside and to see uh, what kind of help he needed. Maybe isolating him uh, might have you know, uh, reduced his resolve to, to cause violence. I don't know. But the bottom line is the church did have a safety team, and when the incident unfolded, they dealt with it. Um, sadly, two lives were lost, three if you count the gunmans. But, um, you know, this safety team member who was killed, like I said, it was, it was painful to watch. He was trying to draw his pistol, but this man's a martyr. This man's sacrifice um, really set up the, the, the ending to the incident because it allowed Jack Wilson to get into place and to make the shot that ended it. So these men didn't die in vain, but, uh, but, but again, they had a team, they had a plan, and ultimately their plan did work. Um, we can always second guess somebody's plan, but you know, the bottom line is, um, you know, a, 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 a much more substantial loss of life would have probably taken place if this safety team wasn't there. Number two, you know, and, and I tell our team this all the time, but we don't rise to the occasion. We always think that, you know, when there's a crisis, I'm going to rise to the occasion. Well, that's not true. When there's a crisis, you do not rise to the occasion. You always fall to the level of your training. Let me say that again. This is, this is so important. This is probably breaking myths all over the place. You don't rise... To the, to the occasion. You always fall to the level of your training. And, you know, without, without getting critical, you know, the man that was trying to draw his gun, uh, I don't think even if he'd have been an expert, um, I don't think he could have drawn his pistol in time because um, there was just the, the, the shotgun was already pointed at him. It was just a bad situation. Uh, maybe he'd have been better suited to stay seated and to try and draw his gun while he was seated and then bring it into play. I don't know. I don't want to criticize him, but we don't we, we don't really know. But what we do know is Jack Wilson probably made the greatest pistol shot I've ever seen. Um, this is something what what we find when you you read about him. Um, he was a he's a civilian. He's not a cop. Um, he's not a, you know, former military guy that I could tell, but he's a guy who is passionate about shooting. He's been a firearms instructor before he even owned a, a firearms range at one point. I don't know if he still does or not, 
but he practices regularly. He's had some training. And in reality, he's been preparing his whole life for this one shot. Um, you know, pretty, pretty amazing. And then uh, the third, the third thought I want to share is, you know, you really can't always prevent evil. I mean, this man showed up that morning and, and there wasn't anything they could do to stop him from showing up. Um, could they have dealt with it differently? Maybe we've talked about that. I don't know. We can't always prevent evil but we can decide ahead of time how we're going to respond to it. And that is having a plan, having a team in place, being prepared to do whatever we have to do to protect the church. And then here's a, here's a, here's a few challenges. We'll wrap up with this. Um, if you're in a leadership role in your church, uh, what do you have in place? You know, watch this video. If, if you're a pastor, if you're a leader in your church, watch this video. It'll disturb you because you're going to be thinking, well, what, what would I do if this happened on Sunday morning in my church? It should disturb us a little bit. Uh, you know, like I said, church violence is on the rise. What do you have in place to prevent this from happening in your church? Uh, what policies and procedures do you have in place um, what can you do to contain, control, prevent something like this from happening? <clears throat> what about people? Do you have people in place? Do you have a team? Do you have people that are watching out for the church? And then the, the second challenge, do you have a formal safety or security in your church? Safety, security team, whatever you want to call it. If you do, what does that look like? I mean, is this a real team or is it just, just a couple of guys that you trust that are watching out for things? Because I would encourage you, pastor, leader, formalize your team. Because when you formalize it, when you put your team together properly, you've got some etiquette, you've got some procedures in place, um, it's going to be much more professional. And and God forbid they have to, to actually do anything like these guys in, in, in Texas had to do, but if they do, you want them to be protected afterwards. What does their ongoing training look like? How, how, uh, how often do they train? How confident are you in their ability to deal with a worst-case scenario? And then the last thing, if you don't have a safety team in your church, why not? Why not? Watch this video and then tell me you don't need a safety team in your church. Well, I'm going to wrap it up there. If you'd like to talk about establishing a safety ministry for your church, send me an email. Let's get started. David at davidspell.com. I was a police officer for 30 years, retired as a lieutenant. I've created and oversee the safety team at, at my own church, and I've helped several other churches in the area. I'd love to help you. Or if you just want to go back and listen to some of the other podcasts that I've recorded or some of my blogs, just... Um, type that into the search engine. It should pop right up. Type in church safety and security and, and see what comes up. But, uh, but I'd love to help you. Feel free to give me an email and, uh, and then we can, we can talk some more. Well, friends, until next time, this is David Spell encouraging you. Watch this video. Shoot me an email if I can help you. 
Okay, let's keep the flocks. Of, uh,